0: Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Have you ever noticed that this podcast is ad free? I've been intentional with that decision and I pray it makes your listening experience more enjoyable. With that said, the show does need support to keep going. So I have some simple ways you can help. First, share this podcast or maybe even your favorite episode with a friend or even on social media. Just make sure you tag me at Rachel J. Gilbert. You can leave a review for the show on Apple podcast. You could order a copy of Imager Stored, my book, for you or a friend. And side note, if you've already done that, please make sure you leave a review for the book on Amazon. And then a couple more ways that you can support this show is make sure you're on my email list. And I say list, but really it's a community. You can go to my website, rachelgilbert.com to join. Really, I email y'all once a month. That's right, you heard me correctly. Once a month, and I call it joy mail because nobody likes junk mail. So make sure you're on that list. And then the final way that you could support the show is to take and share my new quiz to learn to listen to your body at rachelgilbert.com forward slash quiz. Now, I know I just threw a lot at you. Those was five different ideas. So I do not expect you to do all of them. But here's what I want you to do. Pray about which of these ways or really anything else God brings to mind that you can support Real Talk with Rachel. And I appreciate you. Okay. Enough about all that. Let me talk to you about today's guest. She's another author friend of mine who I met because we released our books with the same publishing house. Ainsley Britton is an author, podcast host, and Enneagram coach, helping young adults embrace their confidence, date healthy, and discover their identity in Christ. With extensive training with Josh Shipp, She Speaks, and your Enneagram coach, She reaches young adults and spurs them on to healthy, God-filled relationships. I told Ainsley my primary audience here isn't teens and young adults. So we put our heads together and came up with a topic I know you will love. It's all about getting free and dealing with your unresolved trauma so that you can pass along freedom to the next generation. She even gave us some great tips on connecting to the next generation, which I got very excited about. Ainsley shared her story vulnerably, and I know it's going to inspire you. So please help me welcome her to the show. Well, hello, Ainsley. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love that we're getting to connect here. You're one of those friends that I feel like I've met in real life, but pretty sure we <laughs> <Yeah>. haven't, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't think so, but I do also agree. I feel the same way. I love keeping up with everything that you're doing.
0: Yeah. All right. So we are here chatting before we get into what we're going to talk about. I like to ask my guests, what is something random about you or fun about you that I would not have just read in your professional bio?
1: Ooh, that is a fun question. Okay. So I actually told this factoid at dinner the other night and I am actually a certified laughing yoga instructor. What? And that is a real
0: thing. (laughs) Okay, this is why I asked this question. I have been given so much heat from guests on my show. They're like, really? You asked that question. Everybody hates this question. Like the person receiving the question. But the listeners, I feel like get a treat every single time because the most random things come out. Okay. But we got to hear about yes. this. Like, tell me more. I need to know more <laughs> what this is. Definitely,
1: <laughs> yes. It is honestly the most random thing. And I'll tell you, I was dating my now husband at the time. He had us this conference in Atlanta one weekend. And I was like, I want to go like, hang out in Atlanta and like play whatever. I was like, I feel like I need something to do whenever he's working. So I literally just signed up for this workshop. <laughs> turns out I am now certified to teach laughing yoga. It's honestly just different ways to create laughter in the room, within yourselves. Even if you start fake laughing, it often turns into real laughter and your body actually doesn't know the difference between the fake and the real. So it really does release those same happy hormones and uh, brain messages. So it's actually beneficial to our health to do laughing yoga, but that's so cool. Do you still do it? I haven't in so long. I couldn't even tell you the last time I did, but I really wish that more people knew about it because it is amazing. It actually is amazing what you kind of see in the classes. It's kind of cool. Okay. I feel like you
0: need to teach like an online (laughs) workshop or do something. People (laughs) would join that. I, I I would join it. And honestly... I will say the times I do yoga with my husband, it ends up being laughing yoga because, you know, one of us gets stuck in a position or,
1: you know, something like that. But Yes. (laughs) I love it. That's amazing.
0: Okay. Well, this is already a fun conversation and I'm here for it. You (laughs) are in the online space. What is your TikTok handle? What is it? TikTok is at Enneagram and chill. Okay. Is, are you that on Instagram too? No, Instagram is Ainsley B. Okay. Well, the reason I brought up the TikTok one is because you are Enneagram Queen, right? I don't know. Tell me the word. I'm like, I'm sorry. I lost words just now. What do I call you? Actually, I think we go with Enneagram
1: Queen. I am am down with that word. I am a certified Enneagram coach through your Enneagram coach, which is Jeff and Beth McCord's uh, gospel-centered Enneagram program. But Enneagram Queen is, I honestly might change my my thing to that. Okay. That's so good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Like, I hope that wasn't offensive. It. If it's not. I truly, I meant every single word that I just said. I love it. Oh my goodness. And I have actually
0: had Beth on the show. So Amazing. I love, I love her content and everything.
1: She's a real Enneagram queen. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, what number are you? I'm a two wing three. Okay. What are you? I think I know, but. Oh, what do you think I, I am? No, oh, no. I thought I already heard it somewhere. I thought you had already said it somewhere. Maybe I have. Wait, you say it.
0: I, as far as I know, because I am not the Enneagram queen, um, <laughs> I have a nine wing eight.
1: Oh, amazing. Okay. That's not what I thought. I mean, I thought I had heard you say three somewhere, but I obviously was wrong. Well, I see a lot of three
0: in myself sometimes. So that's why I said I probably should do some more digging because I don't know.
1: Well, that's great. A nine goes to a three in growth.
0: Yeah. So that means
1: anytime you see that, you're like, ah, I'm in a season of growth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's why I brought that up. We're going to circle back around. So the listeners are like, okay, you two are just having like a friend conversation right now. I'm sorry about that, listeners. But (laughs) we will circle back around to the Enneagram in a second uh, when we can talk about another project that you're working on. But before we do that, because I feel like that conversation might go in a completely different direction. Um, I want to first talk about the book that you recently released. Is it a year? Mm-hmm. Has it been out a year yet? Not yet,
1: but almost. It, almost. It'll be a year in August. In August. Okay. And is this your first book? Um, So I self-published a devotional in, I don't know, I think whenever I was like 22 or something called Hearts and Rockets. And then this is my first traditionally published book.
0: All right. And the title is Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude, Raise Your Standards, Realize Your Worth, and Remove Shame from the Dating Game. I mm-hmm. always love to hear people's hearts behind why they wrote a book and on that topic.
1: <laughs> yes, I love that question so much. So I am very excited about this book just being in the world still. I know it's been almost a year, but I... I'm very thankful that uh, I had the opportunity to write it. I wrote this book out of a place of serving the next girl. Everything that I do is to try and help the girl behind me just avoid one mistake that I made, much less 1,500. So this is birthed out of a dating mistake that I made where I found myself in a toxic, unhealthy, and honestly just abusive relationship. I didn't even know that it was abusive until three years out of it. And then I was able to look back and be like, oh, wow, that was a really big problem. And I don't know that enough girls could have spotted those red flags um, because I know that I didn't. And I felt like I was pretty aware, you know, so that was the kind of heart behind it. I was in this unhealthy relationship and I don't want any girl to ever find themselves in the position that I was in. And I lowered my standards. I put my worth in the hands of the unworthy. And I was full of shame. And I believed because I was full of shame, any name that he called me immediately became the name that I walked in. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I am hoping that they can avoid entirely. (laughs) And this doesn't have to be a girl younger than me. I've gotten messages from women who are older than me by 10 to 20 years saying that this book helped them in, a season, not just in their own lives, but relating to their daughters or their nieces or girls that they lead in a small group.
0: Yeah. Ainsley, one of the reasons I love this topic so much because my listeners are not teen girls or not young adults. I mean, there's a few sprinkled in, but that's not my main. But here's why I love that we're discussing this now for two reasons. The first that I want to say is that I love that you brought up that it wasn't until later you even realized that that Mm -hmm. was an abusive relationship. And I can relate to that myself. And so I don't care your age. Like I know this from counseling. I've counseled almost 80-year-old women who were processing things from when they were 16 years old. And I've even had a woman say, I needed you 40 years ago. So I feel like this issue is something that if you've never processed it, and if you've never dealt with it, we'll say it that mm-hmm. way, it's gonna keep following you around in different forms, right? Mm-hmm. You might be married now, but man, you might have some marital problems that are happening because you didn't deal with some of the things from previous relationships and then even friendship problems and all of that. So I have a heart. I love that you phrased it, the next girl. I'm like, oh, I love that so much. Um, So I definitely wanna address two angles here. One, us mm-hmm. getting health and healing for ourselves, no matter the age of the listener. Yeah. And then yeah. two us being able to go back and help the next girl like you're doing. So let's start with that first angle of just your own healing. When did you even start to realize, oh wow, that was an abusive relationship?
1: Yeah, I think it was about three months into this relationship that I realized something wasn't right. Something wasn't normal, but because of the lies that I had previously believed about myself, and and he knew that those what those lies were, he was able to really solidify them, manipulate me into truly, truly believing them. So I had just been walking in them so long, and then he just kind of came alongside me and kept like kept forcing me to walk in them that I really felt so planted in I'm not worthy, no one's gonna love me unless they know my whole life story and my daddy issues at the time, which have since been healed. But, you know, I just did not feel lovable or worthy or like my needs mattered. And I immediately after the breakup, I went straight into counseling because I just knew that that was where I needed to be. I went straight into counseling and straight to the Lord. And I did find a radical healing that I truly did not know was even possible. And it was amazing. But that was all with my identity. You know, all of that healing had to do with my identity and who I am as a child of God, which was all incredibly necessary. And because that was the first step, I was then able to look back with a healed heart and see that's what was wrong. And it wasn't until 3 years later i sat down with the girl he dated after me we had coffee and it was full the conversation was full of whoa me too like he did that to you too that was your experience as well you know all of this these things and i suddenly felt so validated and seen and she called it abuse up until that moment i just thought it was at a very surface level unhealthy when she called it abusive i was like oh my gosh, that's exactly right. And I went back to my counselor and I was like, was this abusive? (laughs) And she was like, I'm so glad that you're recognizing, you know, that these red flags were in fact, something that you can now name and that we can now move forward with even further healing. And that's whenever I did EMDR therapy and I never looked back. (laughs) amazing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love using EMDR in therapy. And I, and I really appreciate that you brought up, it took you being willing to accept, we call that acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can't Mm -hmm. heal something that you can't accept. And so we don't always label it necessarily as abuse, just so somebody can become like, okay, I was abused. And like, that's my label now, right? Like that's your name tag that you wear around everywhere. Cause that's not true Mm -hmm. either. But it gives us a starting place of, okay, this is what this was. Now we can put a name to it and now we can bring healing and closure to it as well. Yeah, I would love to hear uh, your experience. I always like to talk to people who have experienced EMDR. If you feel comfortable sharing any of that, what your Mm -hmm. experience was with that.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I go in one day and I'm like, "I'm, I'm having a great day. I really don't know what to talk about, but I absolutely love the woman who was my counselor at the time so much. So I really just like to go to hang out with her, honestly. So I was like, we can just hang out. (laughs) And she was like, well, we absolutely can. If that's what you feel like, you know, you want to do today. But also, um, if you feel like you're at the end of your talk therapy, I think there is something else that could help one step further. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, let's talk about it. She explained to me EMDR. I'm like, That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, but whatever I'm in, you know, anything to, I was such in a desperation for complete healing place that I was willing to uh, follow her lead. Absolutely. When I tell you, I feel like it was one of the most divine experiences of my life because I really felt like the Lord was waiting for my yes to go deeper into my healing, to meet me exactly there. The first memory that popped up whenever we went through the process was a memory I did not even know that I had, but it felt so familiar and it was like, I knew it all along, but I never remembered it. It was a repressed memory that I honestly did not believe that those were real at the time. I really didn't. I was like, there's no way. And all of a sudden it just came up and it was from whenever I was five years old and that I mean, the Lord, I would have never, I feel like I never would have come up with it on my own, you know? And that's how I know that it was the Lord. And people ask me often, like, how do you know that EMDR is going to work? Like and there, they are Christian people who generally ask me this and we talk about it. I'm like, I promise you that the Lord is on board with your healing and he wants you as healed and whole as you want to be. And he will meet you there. He will meet you exactly where you need to be. And that's exactly what he did in the memory that popped up that we were able to, you know, reprocess and through that eye movement, uh, desensitization, desensitization, (laughs) heal and go through and move through. Oh, it was incredible.
0: Yeah. Ooh, I always love hearing patients experience with Mm -hmm. it. Because of course, as an EMDR therapist, you know, people are always like, you can always have a little skepticism, right? Until of you're course. like, I want to hear oh, a real yeah. life
1: person. I'm People curious. People think I'm
0: crazy all the
1: time. And yeah. I'm like, well, look, my healing, my healing doesn't lie.
0: Yeah, exactly. What form of bilateral stimulation did your therapist use with you?
1: Uh, knee tapping.
0: Okay. Tapping. Yeah. Did you ever do eye movements or just the tapping?
1: Um, I had my eyes closed, but I could tell that they were moving. Okay. Like kind of just following the tapping.
0: Well, as I was gonna say, it it doesn't have to be eye movement. In fact, the the founder, Dr. Francine Shapiro, even said in her later years she kind of wishes she hadn't put the eye movement on the title oh, for it because they later learned that any form of bilateral stimulation, so tapping. Um, I have I, really for me, I just depending on the person, we kind of play with different things to see what works best for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I have a light bar now that we use for the eye movements, but then you have the tappers that buzz, you can do the physical tapping. And then some people even like the butterfly hugs. And so it just needs to be bilateral stimulation. But what I love about what you just said, that a memory just popped up from five is that honestly, science is still trying to figure out what in the world is happening in the brain. Like they have all these theories about why and and I did have one patient say, she's the one, she likes to use a light bar. And she mentioned, she's like, I wonder if it's because it's like, it shuts down your thoughts for a second. Like that doesn't shut down your thoughts, but it gives your brain the space to just bring up whatever it wants to bring up without us overthinking it. That was her theory. You know, that's, that's not a scientific theory, but anyhow, um, I just love that. Cause the brain, when we give space back to what you said, when we give space, when Jesus says, okay, it's time to, to heal some of these things. When we give that space and we say, okay, yes, let's do it. Then our brain can bring up whatever it is that we need to work on and get set mm-hmm. free from. So I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. And so with Absolutely. you, after you did walk through that and everything, what was the biggest change you saw? Cause I know you said you'd already had some counseling, and you'd already gotten a lot of freedom. Then mm-hmm. after that, what was there a deeper deeper level of freedom for you or what changed?
1: Yeah, what changed was my connections to my actions and my emotions with my real life, you know, I had met my now husband, I believe, yeah, at that time because I, I whenever I was doing EMDR, I almost could see the the memory that I had and the current actions that I was, you know, taking into my relationship from my abusive relationship. I couldn't see the correlation. But whenever I saw did EMDR, I almost could see him. It was very strange. This was just my mind, but they kind of connected. Like I saw them bouncing on lily pads, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like this action, this thought and memory lit is why I act like this, this thought and memory is why I act like this. And that is where that insecurity comes from. And that is what needs to be healed. So I immediately stopped over apologizing. Mm -hmm. I became more confident. I was not afraid to ask for the things that I needed in a relationship, whatever that looked like, whether it be uh, an increase in communication or um, I don't know, I can't even remember what it was at the time, but um, I just saw a, a direct connection to my emotion and my action. And I was able to process that and understand what these connections were.
0: Oof. I love that. And that that gets me excited too about that. Was one of the reasons why on my book on body image I had to address trauma because Yeah. I think that sometimes people get stuck, not just body image, but across the board, you can get stuck and you figure out like, man, I've done all the things I'm, I'm trying to say positive things. I'm Mm -hmm. standing, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm praying, I'm doing these things and nothing's changing. And it's because we needed to unlock that, the memory and the associated emotion with it. So that's really, really powerful. Okay. Well, let's move on. I feel like I know I could talk about this all day, but now we're not, (laughs) we're not getting (laughs) into the topics that I really wanted to make sure that we addressed. but but I do I just wanted listeners to get a glimpse into that you've done the work. To me, mm-hmm. like that's so important when somebody gets up and says your heart for the next girl. You didn't just turn back and go for the next girl while you still hadn't done your your hard work, right? To yeah, like go, okay, right. this was a problem. I'm gonna process it. And now I can turn back and go help the previous generation, whether, like you said, whether they're older or not, or younger, it's just, you can help now because you were willing to pause and to deal with the stuff that came up instead of numbing it, instead of dismissing it, instead of acting like everything was fine, you dealt with it and then you turned back. So now let's talk about that. Cause I know so many of the listeners, they either have kids themselves or they're leaders in some way, maybe they're a school teacher, but they're positioned to influence the Mm -hmm. previous generation. And I feel like you have such a great insight into this one, obviously you speak into it with your book and your resources, but then also you were a youth minister and different things like that. So you, Mm -hmm. again, you lived in it, like, you know, their language. (laughs) So talk to us who, those of us who we want to connect with the teens and to the young adults, but there feels like there's just something missing that we need to bridge there.
1: Oh my gosh, I am so thankful you asked this question. I think that it just doesn't get talked about enough. And people sometimes think I'm a wackadoo because I'm like, I want to talk about it all the time. (laughs) I'm like, I am in the most healthy, normal way, obsessed with the next generation. And I think that they can change the world. And I think that it's up to us to facilitate that change and be the encouragers to their innovations and all of the things that they are going to do. One of the things that I have found whenever I'm speaking to student and parent, is they both say the same phrase. And that phrase is they don't understand. And both of them are right. Most of the time, most of the time, the, I, I, I call the, I guess the two parties, because this could absolutely be, um, you know, a caregiver of a student or guardian, whatever that looks like. It doesn't just have to be the parent, but there is often this disconnect, this broken bridge of communication. And both of them say that they don't understand on the parent side or caregiver side. Of course, they don't have the wisdom and the life experience that you do. They don't usually walk in a fullness of a reality that you do. And so that is, that makes sense to me. I get it. On the student side, it's often a lack of empathy and understanding from the parent side because not because they don't want to, but because they don't always know how to ask those hard questions. You and I recorded for my podcast earlier and you actually nailed it whenever you were talking about the tendency of people to walk around the feeling instead of talking about it and having those good, hard conversations. And I do believe that it's oftentimes because the adult hasn't fully processed their own thing to guide someone else in that processing. So there is this bridge of broken understanding that then leads to a broken empathy, which if we can just connect that broken bridge and rebuild that broken bridge, it's, it leads to those good and real conversations that you mentioned. And I really believe it will change the world. And I really believe it will change this mental health problem that we're seeing globally. I mean, the decline of mental health in young adults is so disparaging and so deep. Um, and I do think that it's up to us as um, older leaders, uh, parents, caregivers, whatever that is, it's up to us to help them, to help them understand their identity in Christ, to help them understand the connection to their emotion and their action. Just like EMDR helped me figure out it's up to us. Like we can do that. We can do that. We have to have those conversations. We have to be honest with them. One of the things that my students, I think appreciated was that I wasn't talking to them like they were little or like their problems were oh you'll grow out of it oh you'll have it's you'll it'll be fine you know once you get out of high school all of these things it, there's a bigger world out there you don't have to worry about it no 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 these are the times that usually i find that it's some of the beginnings of their first traumas if they didn't have them already kind of in you know elementary school this is where they're talking about them more but think about your first friendship betrayal think about your first breakup When did those happen? It was when you were younger and they often started the scripts of lies in your minds that, you know, you and and I even still struggle with today. All of those things can happen at such a young age. And whenever we dismiss them and we say they're not that big of a deal, we are creating so much more harm. So I took them very seriously. I would sit there and just sit in that with them and be like, I'm so sorry. And you're so valid in this feeling. And the thing that I wanted to prevent was it being carried on for forever. So let's talk about how we can actually apply, you know, real life processes and conversations that can help them on that emotion to action connection journey, building the bridge of understanding and empathy so they can communicate how they're feeling and what they're thinking And man, I just, I like to have light ways to have heavy conversations. I really like to connect with young adults before I really go in deep, but I do think that it's up to us and we can help them. They can change the world and we can help champion them in those things.
0: Oh, you're speaking my language here. I (laughs) appreciate that. You just, you said, well, you said several powerful things there, but one I want to circle back around to is how you said to really let them know that nothing they go through is too big or too small and Mm -hmm. what i mean by that like you said the loss of a friendship or it can be so easy as an adult to be like okay yeah you lost a friend guess what you're going to lose 10 more before high school or hey guess what that friend's not going to be there in 10 years anyways and i feel like that's Mm kind of sometimes how we can deal with it. Mm -hmm. again, probably from our own unprocessed pain of, yeah, I'm still mad about my third grade friend who, you know, like who left me and I never did really get over that if I'm going to be honest about it. And I even just recently had an experience with one of my daughters who she had actually been, I have two daughters and they're very different personality. One's very extroverted. And if she has a problem, we know about it. Like, you know, (laughs) like, She just is always talking. So pretty much always we're processing with her. But my other one is much, she's an introvert, much quieter, and she's an observer though. And so she had been going through something hard and I didn't know about it. And she finally recently broke down to me about it. And I was like, honey, why didn't you tell me about this sooner? I would, I would have loved to walk through this. And she said, well, I just know how busy you are, mom. Like, I didn't want to put one more thing on your plate. And I Mm. stopped her. First of all, I held her. And then I just, I I made her look me in the eyes. And I said, there is nothing that is more important than me sitting here with you having this conversation. I said, I will cancel all the appointments. I will like not go into work. Like you are priority. And I do think that our kids and honestly, anybody in our life that is, that matters to us. Like, I think that sometimes we need to hear that from each other of, because yeah. that's how exactly like what you were saying, Ainsley, is that you can't have these deep conversations if people don't feel that way about you. If they yeah. think that you're just too busy, as my daughter was saying, or that you're just don't care, or you're going to dismiss me anyways and tell me that, well, guess what? That friend will be gone anyways in 10 years. So get over it. And over it. Yeah. then why in the world would they come to us with these smaller things that then down the road when they're much bigger things and we're shocked Mm -hmm. that they didn't come first to mom. Well, duh. I wasn't there for her whenever she brought the tiny thing in. Why would she think I'm going to be there for her when I bring the bigger thing in? So there's a little soapbox moment for you.
1: (laughs) No, 100%. And the funny thing that you, um, the phrase that they hear often is get over it. Right. And my thing to parents, which is the spicy thing is, My message to you is get over it, but the, it is the bridge of communication. If you can get over it, you will change the relationship for the better. Mm -hmm. So it's, we're kind of taking that phrase and we're turning it into something different. If you can get over it, you will have an increase in understanding and empathy in your household or in your church or in your um, community, what, wherever this is, wherever this broken bridge of communication is. You can just get over it. There's beauty on the other side.
0: Ooh, I love that. Well, that's, that's the perfect place to end. I feel like I could talk to you for another half hour. Yeah. Um, but before we go, first of all, any final words? Uh, although I guess if you have a final word, you can share it. But I think that that was really powerful. So, but if you have something else that you feel burning on your heart, you're welcome to. If not, that's fine. You can just tell us where they can find you and all your things.
1: Yeah, I think that... um My final word is get over it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I like it. (laughs) Get over it. And I would absolutely love to connect with anybody. My website is AinsleyBritain.com. My Instagram is at AinsleyB. And I have all kinds of resources and would just love to communicate. Uh, Email address is on my website and all of that.
0: Perfect. Well, and I hope that the listeners, you you did get a glimpse into Ainsley and in that you're just the real deal. I appreciate that about people whenever I meet them online and then I get to meet you, even though it's via Zoom and I read your yeah. your book and your resources and you're having the good, hard conversations. And then you're also equipping people to lean into that and especially young adults and teens and things like that. So if you are somebody who is around If you are a parent or a teacher or a leader of any sort and you are speaking into this generation, please go connect with Ainsley and get her resources because she has just got so much going on that you can use for sure. Thank you so much. It is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. You know that quiz I mentioned at the beginning of the show it's called, What is Your Body Trying to Tell You? And it's been very fun to watch. There's four different results that you can get of something your body might be trying to tell you. Hey, side note, by the way, the quiz is just a starting point in learning to listen to your body because you are the very best expert on your body. And I want you to feel confident in that. But here's the cool thing in me getting to look at the back end analytics and the top Answers that most, the results, I guess you should say, that most people are getting. The number one that most people are getting is let's renew. That's what their body is saying, like let's renew. And this answer is all about mindset and thought work. And I want you to take the quiz if you haven't already, because this will make more sense if you do. But here's what that answer tells me we need help processing our thoughts and emotions shocking, I know, right? Remember, I don't know if you've heard me say this. I wrote about it in my book. I've posted about it online because I feel so strongly about this statement that I'm about to say. If you can't talk about it, it owns you. And I sense in my spirit, especially you know, because of some of the things Ainsley and I discussed in today's episode, I just feel, sense very strongly that the Lord is bringing up some things that you haven't talked about or thought about in years And he brought those things up. And I want to encourage you, instead of shoving them back down, let them come up and see what he is saying to you. And I'm going to give you a couple, let's get practical for a second, of things for you to process. And then I'm going to give you some just helpful advice here in a moment, if any of this feels overwhelming. So let's do this. Here are your practical questions to process today. Ask God, how is my mind and is there anything it's time to process? Any memories, anything that pops up, even if it didn't today during this episode in the weeks to come, I want you to notice, don't dismiss them as random. It's oftentimes our brain, our body, and God's way of saying it's time to process this thing. And we discussed EMDR quite a bit in today's episode. And as an EMDR trained therapist, I highly recommend this modality for processing trauma. In fact, in the videos that were included in image restored, I taught you how to do butterfly hugs, which is a form of bilateral stimulation to rein in the runaway brain. If you have a copy, you can go to the introduction. So you scan the QR code in the introduction of the book to access the six sessions. There's some people who don't fully realize that they're there and I'm like, yes, go get them. They're all six sessions, but less than 10 minutes each. And in case you didn't know, Image Restored comes with six video session teachings of each unit's counselor activity. And again, I just want to speak to you from the heart here and say, if listening to this episode or even throughout the week, something comes up, first sit with the the Lord. Like that's kind of step number one of, okay, Lord, why are you showing me this? What's coming up? Is this just random or is there something more here? And then journal about it. Uh, go for a walk and talk out loud to the Lord about it. Or while you're driving or in the shower, just start to kind of process it. And if it feels overwhelming, especially if you notice your body responding, this is extremely common with trauma as it starts to come up, your body sometimes can have a physical response. You might notice more you know, heart palpitations or more anxiety or nauseous or stomach aches. Like That's actually pretty normal. But if that happens to you, please remember, these episodes are not replacement for your therapist. I need you to go to your therapist. If you don't yet have one, you can find one. Go to AACC.net. That's some good Christian therapists. Um, If you're particularly interested in EMDR, you can go to EMDRIA.org. There's so many resources out there. Don't process it alone, I guess is what I'm saying, if it's bigger than just being able to journal about it. Because as you know, there's some things we can journal about. They're simple. And then there's other things that we're like, oh, I need help. And so find a counselor, find a pastor, find a friend, somebody. Okay? Promise me that. All right, let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for every single person represented here today who is sitting under the sound of my voice. I believe you brought them here today for a reason, and you're doing some good, beautiful, deep healing in them. I ask that you bring things up for all of us, that you're saying, hey, it's time to talk about this. It's time to process this so it does not have a hold on us any longer. And I just ask that you do that. Help us to be brave. And I also pray that you send the help that people may need, whether it's through a friend or a family member or somebody who can help them walk through this. I so just ask that everybody gets the help that they need. And above all, Jesus, that you swoop in and do what only you can do. You bring healing and hope and restoration. It is in your name we pray, amen. Well, I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing those God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with
1: Rachel.